It's the story of an American held in a dark Venezuelan prison. Then all of a sudden, they all kind of lined up. They pointed their guns at me. And this is the point where I thought, I'm going to die today. I'm Becky Bruce. I spent a year working on Hope in Darkness, which now has more than 2 million downloads. Find it on kslpodcast.com or wherever you listen to podcasts. Utah's best athletes count on flexibility, speed, strength. And the Jazz pick up their 22nd assist. So they count on University of Utah Health. Brielle Soleil puts this game away. And so can you. Leading doctors, a world-class environment, award-winning innovation, care to be great. 14 unanswered by the Utes. University of Utah Health, caring for Utah's best and yours. Schedule your appointment now at uofuhealth.org slash care to be great. Welcome to the Jazz Notes Podcast. I'm your host, Ben Anderson. A very happy Friday to you. Uh, if you haven't been following me on Twitter, you can at Ben's Hoops. If you already do, you've probably noticed I am now doing a full-time radio show with Jake Scott in the mornings on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone from 10 to noon every day, Monday through Friday. So if you're a jazz fan, definitely make sure you tune in. Again, that's uh, The Zone Sports Network, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Me and Jake Scott talk a lot of jazz basketball because Jake Scott also hosts the jazz pre-half and post-game shows. Uh, on the zone. So make sure you check that out, check him out. But uh, today's show, uh, we talked to James Hamm uh, about the Sacramento Kings, who the Jazz are going to face tonight in their road opener. A much better Sacramento Kings team than most seasons. Does that mean they make the playoffs or not? Uh, we'll get into that with James Hamm. But uh, thanks for tuning in. And again, read me at kslsports.com. Impressive win to start the season for the Kings. And, and they actually look pretty good against the, the Portland Trailblazers. So what did that, you know, moment? Does that feel like serious momentum for this team, or, or what's the expectation? I guess going into this year. Yeah, you know what they they went four zero in preseason, and I think a lot of people you could just see the style of play was better than it was last year. The defense was better, sort of the the force they were playing with was better. And so when we got to the first game, you know, they came out and punched Portland in the face really early in the game and had an eighteen point lead at one point. Um, you know, they're they're still a team that's trying to get it together that you know, had a lot of new moving pieces. Um, so they let it slip late and almost gave one away. Uh, but I, I think that there's just a new vibe in Sacramento. They're, the team is it's really deep, and it's got a lot of talent, and it's deep in a different way than it has been in the past, where now you got five or six guys that can drop 25 or 30 at any given night. Um, and that's a good thing to have. That's, that's uh, you know, they're versatile and I think that there's higher expectations than normal. I think if 500 season is is there for the taking, but I also think this team could fight for a play-in or, or maybe even a back-end playoff spot. So, James, take us through this Marvin Bagley saga. When his uh, agent released that statement the other day, that really jumped out at me because you just never see that happen. So tell us what's going on with him and, I guess, what, what the end game is. Yeah, I mean, at this point, he's basically been put on ice. Um, there's a possibility that he could play even tonight if uh, if Mo Harkless can't go. But I think Luke Walton and, and the front office has come, kind of come to the determination that, look, you know, he wanted out this summer. He asked for a trade. And at this point, you know, what do you do? If someone doesn't really want to be there and then you can't find a taker for his services, that makes sense to you. 
And that means you're not going to, the Kings aren't going to trade Marvin Bagley and take on a, ba- a bad contract. And he's owed $11.8 million this year. Um, but he also has a qualifying offer of $14.8 million for next season. If he starts fewer than, I think it's 40 games a season, then that qualifying offer drops all the way down to $7.2 million. And that, I think that's a good thing for everybody involved. It, it makes Marvin a lot more marketable on the open market. Um, they can move him at the deadline as not just an expiring contract, but maybe a young player with promise that could step up and be something somewhere else. Uh, who has a budget qualifying offer, but just as he is right now, a $14.8 million qualifying offer, no one is going to pay that. And so Marvin's kind of stuck in, in uh, a weird position. He doesn't really fit the team. They're going to go with a lot of three-guard sets, and they need a versatile four that can defend all kinds of different players who can stretch the floor, uh, who doesn't call for the ball, who's not you know, a back-to-the-basket guy, and that's just not who Marvin is. And then at the five, they've got three a three-headed monster with Holmes and Tristan Thompson and Alex Len. All of them give them rebounding and defensive uh, presence that Marvin just doesn't have. And so I think he's just in a holding pattern until the Kings find a deal that makes sense for everybody involved. James, looking at this this Kings team, they're kind of in a weird spot. And I'll tell you this from an outsider perspective, and I'm sure it's no secret to you. You know, we look at them as kind of historically over the last decade and a half as one of the the you know, most poorly functioning uh, franchises in the NBA, whether it's ownership or the trade of ownership or the Maloofs or uh, all the issues that they've had. But now recently, despite their struggles, they've kind of drafted incredibly well between Tyrese Halliburton, uh, I think everyone really likes, Davion Mitchell, who we know was a, was a teammate of, of Jazz rookie Jared Butler at Baylor. A- a- obviously, Darren Fox, they've hit a home run by drafting him. It feels like it actually is starting to head in the right direction, even though Sacramento still has this kind of negative reputation around the league. Does it feel like things are changing covering the team inside? Yeah, I think so. This is my 12th season covering the team, and I've covered some really bad, bad teams. I, I did my win percentage the other day. I think my <laughs> win percentage is like 34.7, like .347. It's, it's not good. Um, I've never covered a 500 team. I've never covered a playoff team. Um, I've covered plenty of seasons where I wrote more than 50 losing game recaps. Um, it, it's kind of been this perpetual take one step forward, take two steps back thing that they've had. And, you know, some really near misses. If Dave Yeager would have come back for another season where the Kings have made the playoffs, you know, and they got all the way up to 39 wins, that's a possibility. You know, if the Kings would have drafted Luka Doncic, would they have been in a better position today? Yes, they would have been in a better position. Um, so I, I just think it's uh, a lot of near misses. But at this point, it's not just that they have talent. It's that they have talent that wants to be in Sacramento. They have talent that is growing together. They have a really good young core that's all around the same age. Uh, and then they have some really solid veterans. And you guys will see it tonight. Harrison Barnes, over the last two years, he's just taken a huge step. Um, and he's you know entering his 10th season and he's aging like a fine wine and uh, it's really remarkable to watch but you know in the opener he had eight threes and put up a career high 36 points but that's what we saw from preseason Um, he just seems to have settled into who he is and he's adding that extra little flavor that this team needed so yeah I, I think they have drafted well outside of you know, I, I, and again, it's not that I think Marvin Bagley's a bad player, um, but I just, you know, I, I'm not going to argue that Luka Doncic and uh, Trey Trey Young are better players. Um, you know, they made that mistake, but 
the rest of it feels like they're building towards something, and, and it's kind of exciting to see. We followed Nimi Keita for a long time. He's a two-way player with the Kings now. How did he do in camp in uh, preseason? You know, he didn't get to play a ton in uh, in preseason, and, you know, he's not going to get to play a ton this season just because the Kings not only have the three-headed monster, but they also have Damian Jones at the five. Um, so just really, really crowded up front. Um, I'll, I'll say this, like when you look at players and you watch what they do on the court, you watch how they move, um, he really, really needs a professional uh, training staff working with him for an entire season, and I think it will really help um, just his body mechanics and everything else. Outside of that, I think there's a ton to like. Um, I've watched him shoot threes from the corner in, in their pickup games after practice, uh, which I did not know he could do. He's a really good passer. They're running a lot of uh, like double screens with him and a lot of motion two-man game with him um, where he's just such a huge, huge man. And so I don't think it'll be this year. I think even next year he's going to have some difficulty getting on the court. Um, but I, I do think that he's got like the makings of an NBA player. He just needs, you know, when you're playing against the best athletes in the world and, w- and the NBA players are the best athletes in the world without any question in my mind, um, you just have to, your body has to be right in order to make those, those quick uh, snap moves that, that you have to make. And so I think we're going to see him um, bounce back and forth, you know, Geely, you can be up for the uh, two-way players can be up with the team for up to 50 games this year, and they don't count practice time and stuff like that. So there's more opportunity, but a lot of things have to go wrong for him to step on an NBA court. And to be honest with you, I think the best thing that could happen for him is that he spent the entire year in the G League working with Bobby Jackson and a very talented uh, Stockton Kings team and really gets just more game time and more time in the gym. Not many people get better. the better of Rudy Gobert, who's uh, clearly one of the best centers in the NBA, but one guy who has given him trouble, especially last season, is Rashawn Holmes, who you know we saw here at the Salt Lake City Summer League a few years ago, just absolutely run up and down the floor and blow everyone out of the water. Uh, he might be the most underrated big man in the NBA right now. What have you seen from him? He had a great debut. Yeah, uh, that's who he is. I mean, he's so underrated. And uh, I, I think what we saw in camp and, and through preseason was maybe someone who... Uh, wasn't super happy about the contract that he got during the offseason. And, uh, and I think he's moved past that now. Now it's time to play basketball. Um, you know, he surprisingly got less money than a lot of bigs out on the open market. And he wanted to come back to Sacramento, but all they had was uh, the early bird to offer him. And so he ended up signing, you know, I think it's right around 46, 47 million over four years, which is just such a busted contract for him when you look at guys like Jared Allen or even Robert Williams, what they got. Um, he's so incredibly efficient. That's what you're going to see. The, the push shot is efficient. He actually hit a crazy three-pointer in the last game. Um, I think he shot 9 of 10 from the field for 21 points. He had a double-double of over 10 rebounds. Um, he's just a really, really hard worker uh, that somehow him and Luke Walton found each other uh, in that first season. And, um, you know, Luke put his faith in Rashawn five games into the season and benched Dwayne Dedman, and Rashawn has done nothing but reward Luke for that uh, sort of the faith he put into him. And so it, that's one of the better stories that you can see around the league, where a guy who bounces around and then all of a sudden he just becomes really, really good. I mean, second in the league in field goal percentage, and he does. He gives uh, he gives Gobert fits, and then the Kings have a big guy in Tristan Thompson that will push Gobert around, and then. 
if that doesn't work, they'll throw Alex Len out there and, and get tough on him. And so, yeah, a lot of different looks, but Rashawn is, is really uh, coming to his own as an NBA player. So, James, this is just a personal curiosity question, but you're a radio guy and, and you, talk, you develop a kind of a unique relationship with fans because you find out what hot button issues are. And uh, uh, here in Utah, forever, a hot button issue has been that the Jazz drafted Raul Lopez <laughs> instead of Tony Parker. Yes, I know this happened 100 years ago, but people still care about it. Well, the Jazz could have had Tony Parker. They picked Raul Lopez because Larry Miller at the time preferred to leave him over in Europe yep. for a salary reasons and he ended up getting hurt and blah 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 but still to this day people have an opinion on that if you look at the players that the kings have passed on in the draft it's like the all nba team i mean it's like steph curry and Giannis and Kawhi and all this stuff and i'm just curious how does the fan base handle that because i think it would kill most fans around here based on how they still feel about that one draft how do kings fans feel about that? and is there one that got away yeah the absolute one okay well see well, that's the problem. I mean, you guys have the, the one that got away. The Kings have like the 14 that got away. So I think fans, uh, you're just, you're beat down by the, the sheer volume of it. So, you know, like the night before, uh, the Kings went into a draft one year. I was told they were drafting Damian Lillard. Um, of course, uh, Robinson dropped to number five and they took him instead because they weren't sure if they were going to have a power forward with Jason Thompson as an impending free agent. So they passed on Damian Lillard at literally at the last second. Uh, the next year they had CJ McCollum in for uh, three visits, including one on the Monday before the draft. Uh, he will tell you to this day that he thought he was going to be a Sacramento King. Uh, but once again, Ben McLemore fell in the draft and they went with what who fell and not who they really should have taken. Um, you know, you can go to the Jimmer draft, uh, where they, they traded Jimmer's, uh, for Jimmer's draft rights and slid back. But again, you know, Clay Thompson was right there. Uh, Kawhi Leonard was right there. You know, they, they've missed so many times, but I'll say this over the last four drafts, five drafts, because they didn't have a pick in 2019. Um, they haven't missed except for the, the Bagley pick. Uh, the Fox pick is, I mean, it's going to go down. He's one of the top three or four players in that draft. Um, and, and then, you know, Halliburton is a surprise of last season's draft. And I think Davion Mitchell is going to be in the NBA for 10 or 12 years wreaking havoc on people. Um, and, you know, so I think they've done a good thing. I will tell you this, though, and you guys have Donovan Mitchell there. Uh, he might be the one that got away if you really think about the modern Kings with the Kings in 2021. Um, the Kings had the 10th pick in that draft. They traded it for number 15 and number 20, where they took. Uh, Justin Jackson and Harry Giles, who are both now out of the NBA uh, just a couple of years later, instead of uh, Donovan. So they drafted Fox. They could have had a backcourt of Fox and Mitchell. And again, just all of these near misses. Wow, that would be that would be pretty incredible, I mean, actually, to think about it. I mean, that would be... Fox and Luca would have been... Would have been something too. <laughs> something. Yeah, Trey right. Young would have been all right as yeah, well. Yeah, right. Well, hey James, thank you, uh, thank you for jumping on with us. Enjoy the game tonight. We really appreciate it. Hey, no problem. Thanks for having me, guys. Thanks, James. There he was, James Ham from ESPN thirteen twenty in Sacramento. Big thanks to James for jumping on. Again, make sure you tune in to uh, Jake Scott and Ben Anderson, 10 to noon on 97.5 and 12.8 of the zone, Monday through Friday, if you're looking for more jazz content. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to pull all of our best stuff, 
uh, throughout the week as it comes. And, uh, and I'm going to be putting it right here on the Jazz Notes podcast for you so you never miss a jazz interview. Follow me on Twitter at Ben's Hoops. Read me at kslsports.com, and we'll be back with uh, more coming up next week. Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. There's desperation and anguish. More than 80,000 Afghans have since arrived in America. But this story is still unfolding. I'm Andrea Smartin. In my new podcast, Stranger Becomes Neighbor, we'll find out what happens to these new arrivals in our communities. Who would help our newest neighbors? Follow us at kslpodcast.com, Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen.